And of course she is. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. And today we start Advent, the Christmas season of the church calendar. And so I get to say Merry Christmas, friends and family. Whether this season brings you sorrow or joy or a bittersweet mix of both, we are in the time of lights and songs and gifts and, most importantly, the birth of Jesus Christ. This year, our sermon series comes from Pastor Gay, who had an idea so exciting I fell in love with it immediately. We are going to be preaching all five weeks from Christmas classics, TV shows and movies that have their own take on what this holiday means. Our preaching team will be covering The Grinch, Remember the Night, which is something from the 40s that I've never seen, It's a Wonderful Life, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and this week I get to do A Charlie Brown Christmas. And so, of course, each week we're going to be connecting these classics to the Bible, and we're going to be doing our best to show how these Bible passages work themselves out in your life. To start our season, I'd like to ask a few questions to help you think about your own experience of Christmas. Do you love the Christmas season? My family and I share a home with Pastor Gay, and she was putting on Christmas carols before Thanksgiving, which is a huge faux pas as far as I am concerned. Gay is a Christmas lover. How many people here love Christmas? Super excited. Can't wait. Wow. Turns out tons of people, both services. Um, Is Christmas season mostly a season of being busy for you? I remember when I had little kids, and I was nearly maxed out all the time anyway, and Christmas meant extra shopping and school programs, and of course my work as a pastor. And so for a few years, Christmas often felt overwhelming. Who feels real busy and overwhelmed through the Christmas season? Hands up. Much fewer people, this little embarrassed people, this service. That's funny. Second service was like me, you know. Okay, first service was was really into it. All right. Uh, Is Christmas more melancholy or bittersweet for you? I have friends who've lost loved ones during the holidays. I remember finding out my marriage was over in December a couple years ago. And that year, the Christmas Day dinner was canceled due to COVID. And my kids had a big fight over Christmas dinner. And another member of the household just stormed off. It was super hard. For many people, Christmas brings challenging memories or a feeling of life just falling short. Does anybody really struggle with the Christmas season? Hands up. Got a couple few. Yeah, more than a couple few. God bless you all. My last question for you to reflect on. What part does Jesus play in your Christmas? Our Supreme Court actually ruled a few years ago, some years ago, Christmas can be a federally recognized holiday because it's not even Christian anymore. For many of us, Christmas revolves around the church and the remembrance of Jesus coming into the world. People get Advent calendars where you count down to the birth of Jesus every day. But of course, now they have whiskey shot Advent calendars. And for many, your memories of Christmas might be entirely non-religious, centered on trees and presents and ho-ho-ho, and memories that don't have anything to do with Jesus. Uh, I'm going to guess that most of us fall somewhere in the middle, right? For most of us, Christmas is a season that has tension in it. There is the joy of gift-giving and the challenge of finding all those dang gifts, and what am I going to get? There's the Christian heart of the holiday And then there's unbelievable commercialism. Costco had Christmas displays up in early October. I almost threw up in the Costco. We have beautiful hymns and Christian music, including one of my favorite, written by our own Justin Law called One Star. We'll be doing that in the coming weeks. And then there's a multitude of secular Christian tunes, including my least favorite in the whole world by Mariah Carey, The Tune Shall Not Be Named Like Voldemort. I am 
really grateful for the years my Christmas has been centered firmly in Christ. I love the years where the joy of giving and the Christmas Day dinner here at the church and times of prayer and remembering Jesus' presence are primary. And perhaps like you, I've also had years where I just felt like it was really hard to break through to Jesus in the middle of the season. And so I'm very grateful for the question at the heart of this week's Christmas classic. A Charlie Brown Christmas is my favorite Christmas show. I've watched it nearly every year or every year with my kids. You know, when it was written, the show's producers thought it was a dud. They contemplated canceling it with just 10 days to go before showing it. They thought it was too simple, too jazzy, too obscure, too slow. And instead, it debuted at number two in the country, has been the most popular Christmas show on television. It was the first ever half-hour Christmas special. It started the whole thing of Christmas specials showing. And critics around the country, major newspapers from every big city, have hailed this show for its warmth and its charm and its beauty. Now, who would have thought this could happen for a movie that climaxes with an extended reading from the King James Bible from Luke chapter 2? And so we're going to read this whole passage together in less formal language of the New Living Translation right now, and I'll offer a few thoughts about the passage as we go. Luke 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds in the field, staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, "'Don't be afraid,' he said." I bring you good news that will be in great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And so this passage is about a supernatural encounter and I've learned a few things about this passage most interesting to me. A couple years ago, my seminary professor said, of course, everyone in the Middle East knows that the shepherds are probably teen girls. And I was like, oh, really, Mr. White Professor, who's telling me what? And it turns out my professor is the uh, grandchild of a Moroccan grandfather. He went and lived in tents in the deserts of northern Africa for years after college. And while he was teaching me, he was coming from Egypt, where he lives with his family full-time now, and uh, he has a whole lot more experience of going to villages full of shepherds than I actually do. Apparently, shepherding is brainless. All it takes is a pair of eyes willing to follow some super boring animals around that don't really do anything except eat, right? And so the job everywhere he's ever been is always given to kids, and in every place he's been throughout the Middle East, it's always the girls in town. And so 13-year-old girls, just like we see in Scripture, King David, when he was out watching the sheep, was the smallest. He was so small that they didn't even consider it worth bringing him to see the prophet, right? And so this is who God chooses to send the angel of the Lord to. This is who God chooses for a revelation. Uh, I won't lie, like I've managed to de-white my Jesus, you know, when I was a kid, Jesus was always white and blonde, and then that became real offensive to me later in my life. I remember I used to color in Jesus's when I would find white ones, I'd take a brown marker and color them in a little bit, uh, and put them back in the display. Um, but I still think of the shepherds as old white guys for some reason. I still, for some reason, when I think of the shepherds, I think old white guys probably know. <laughs> Odds are very good it was not, Right? 
may even have been 13-year-old girls. And so they're terrified. Imagine you've never seen electricity. It's nighttime, and the radiance of God's glory suddenly lights up the countryside. And so, of course, the angel tells them, do not be afraid. And then the angel shares the gospel for the very first time. A Savior is born, the Messiah, the Lord. And the angel tells these shepherds how to find Jesus. Verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so this visitation is amazing. God chooses the humble and the lowly, shepherds in their fields, for a revelation of the birth of the king of heaven. And the armies of heaven come, and they praise and they rejoice. They proclaim glory to God in heaven and peace on earth. And so, of course, the shepherds say, let's go check this out. Verse 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And so these shepherds visit Bethlehem, and they find Jesus lying in a feeding trough. And they tell everybody, and most of them are just astonished, but Mary stores it up in her heart. And the shepherds go home praising God. This is the center of Christmas. This is the truth of our holiday. And this is what we remember on December 25th as followers of Jesus. Since around 200 AD, uh, Jesus' followers have speculated that this was Jesus' birthday. Um, I was always told that Christmas was a holiday stolen from pagan celebrations and appropriated to Christianity, but it turns out that's just one theory among many, and most evidence points to it not being true. Whatever the reason, Christmas is the day that we have first recorded as a celebration in 336 AD. And ever since then, it's been celebrated in one form or another around the world. There are hundreds and perhaps thousands of Christmas traditions. They have a giant lantern festival in the Philippines. In Venezuela, they make ajacas, which are like a kind of banana leaf tamale that I make sometimes with some of our Venezuelan uh, friends. And in my home, I cook a standing rib roast and I make Yorkshire pudding. And we open presents on Christmas Eve and stockings on Christmas Day because that's the right way to do it. God bless whoever said woo. Someone did that first service too. That's Jesus points. Well done. Jesus points can be redeemed some other day. Whatever your traditions, these are all add-ons to the central fact of human existence for every one of us who believes. On Christmas Day, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born. The heavens opened up and rejoiced. Shepherds and Mary and Joseph were astonished because in Jesus Christ, the Son of God came into the world. In Jesus, God took action to clear away the baggage between humankind and God. And in Jesus, we see in the flesh the nature of God who we cannot see. 
on a silent night 2,000 years ago, everything changed. And so this is what I love about a Charlie Brown Christmas. That little TV show has brought the gospel to more people in America than even legendary preachers like Billy Graham. Just the first time it aired, 45 million households tuned in and heard this telling from the Bible. And so if you haven't watched it, and I actually hope that you will after this sermon, let me summarize the plot for you. It starts with Charlie Brown feeling down because that's how Charlie Brown almost always feels. And he says, Christmas is too commercial, but I feel like I'm missing out on what it's supposed to mean. And so he goes to the psychiatrist for help, which is his money-obsessed friend, Lucy. Lucy proposes that he needs to get involved. And so they make Charlie Brown the director of their Christmas play. And of course, from there on out, it's all a disaster. His baby sister asks him to help write a letter to Santa Claus, asking for money, preferably in tens and twenties. His dog enters and wins a decoration contest. The actors in his play don't listen to him. They just go on dancing like he's not even there. And so Charlie Brown says, you know what? We need to set the proper mood by getting a real Christmas tree. And he brings his friend Linus to buy the tree. And almost every tree on the lot is this big aluminum garish looking thing. It turns out the best-selling trees in America from 1958 to 1965 were aluminum trees. Like you didn't even decorate them, you just set them there and they were shaped like a tree and painted. And there Charlie Brown sees a tiny, wispy, pitiful-looking tree that just calls out to him. Like Charlie Brown, the tree is an outcast and unwanted. And he brings the tree back to the play and everybody mocks him and they literally laugh him out of the building. And Charlie Brown takes it all out on himself. He says, I'm so stupid. I know nothing about the meaning of Christmas. And let's watch what happens from here. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. How amazing to hear the heart of the Bible right in the middle of the most popular Christmas special of all time. After hearing Linus, Charlie Brown leaves and considers the scriptures he's just heard 
and stares out at the stars, and he feels hope. He decides to decorate his little tree, which maybe isn't so bad after all. But as usual, he fails at it, and he thinks he killed the tree. But his friends follow, and after he leaves, perhaps because of hearing the Bible passage, they find the tree and decide it's not so bad, really, and they decorate it beautifully, and it's ridiculous. They transform this little wispy thing into this gorgeous little perfect tree. And then Charlie comes back, and this time he's welcomed into the group, and they close by singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. After this show, it was two years before there was no aluminum tree manufacturer left in the country. They went right out, which, praise God, amen. Like, that's just offensive, aluminum Christmas tree, oh my gosh. So at the start of the show, Charlie Brown is sad and outcast, and his little tree is pitiful and unwanted. But after the gospel of share is shared, both are welcomed, both are made more beautiful. And the show closes with glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners are reconciled. The gospel has the power to take the outcast and bring them home. The gospel has the power to make what appears weak and pitiful into beautiful, a living form of godly wisdom. Phil Strout is a former Vineyard National Director, and he used to say that the Christian life is lived in a tension between the ecstatic and the mundane. On rare occasions, we see God breaking into the world. We experience miracles or moments of God's presence that are genuinely overwhelming. But if you're lucky, that's maybe 2% of your life. The rest of the time, the very large majority of every Christian life is lived in an everyday and broken world that we call home. Thankfully, our Christian life is lived in light of heaven breaking into the world in the past and coming in the future, which gives us hope to live in the present. Thank God we live with the memory of what God has done. Our mundane Christmas celebrations, our gathering, our shopping, our trying to find meaning in a busier-than-usual season, all while the sun goes away and the snows rise, all of this takes place in light of the greatest miracle, the highest ecstasy that the universe has ever known. All of this takes place because of Jesus, born into the world as a baby, to show us how things are meant to be and how things are going to be. And so this show and scripture and the voice of God today are calling us to remember Jesus in our season. Remember what it is we celebrate, even as we go about the many things, even as we have the many feelings. I want to invite you to stand and the worship team to come back up at this time. I have some tips for you to put the Word of God as we've received it today into practice this week, something to read, pray, and do. Tip number one is to read Luke 2. You know, on Christmas, we're going to, on Sunday, hear Advent readings and sermons and sing songs that remind us what's going on. I want to invite you to step into what Christmas is about on your own with the Bible this week. Read from Luke 2, the account of the shepherds. Tip number two is pray for a clear memory and experience of Jesus. 
So much is changed when we know that Jesus has come for us, and Jesus has come for you. And so I want to encourage you to pray that you would have both the memory of Jesus' coming and a personal experience of Jesus coming to you to carry you through your Christmas season, the times of up and the times of down. Tip number three is to share the meaning of Christmas with someone you love. What Linus does in this TV show is a miracle. Linus shares the gospel with someone who really wants to know what Christmas is about. And so share the meaning of Christmas with anyone you care about. A way to do that would be pray and ask God, God, is there someone you would have me talk about Christmas with today? It might be someone you know and love. It might be someone you have to reach out a little bit. But you can trust God as God answers your prayer. We're going to close by transitioning into worship and prayer. If you're on the prayer team, could you come up here and be available to pray for folks here at the end of the service? Can we get anybody over on stage left? Thank you. Um, Would you be willing to walk across the front of us? I love you, Rena. Thanks. Um, There are a few things that we might specifically want to pray for you today that I felt like God is inviting you to receive prayer for if they are relevant. The first is seasonal affective disorder. Anybody get depressed when the sun goes away and the snows rise? Uh, We would love to pray for it to be less this year. We would love to pray for you to know the memory of Christ in a way that helps carry you through those feelings. And so come get prayer as you see fit. Second, um, people for whom Christmas has been a wound more than a gift. Um, I've had that for one year. We would really like to pray that for you, Christmas would be transformed into something that you can welcome and celebrate, not just a time of hard things. And last, uh, relief from busyness. If you think of Christmas and you just think, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't even get there, uh, we would love to pray for God to bring you rest because God is actually a God who brings rest and peace. And so if these things fit or if you need prayer for anything under the sun, we'd love to pray for you this morning. And I will lead us in a group prayer right now. So God, we're just so grateful that you have given us Christ. And I am grateful that your word has gone into so many millions of homes so many times through this TV special. And I just pray, God, that you would follow up the hearing of your word with people to tell about your son, about Jesus Christ. I pray that you would bring many, many people, even people we know and love, into your family, the church, through this Christmas season. We pray that as your blessing goes out over the airwaves and through the example of your son through our lives, that people would see and hear and have faith and hope, that outcasts would be welcomed, that weak and foolish things would be transformed into beauty. We ask that you would do all these things again in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please come and receive prayer as God leads. If you're visiting today, I'd love to meet you after the service. And uh, let's worship. The team will let us know when it's time to go. God bless you, friends.